it is a very good afternoon. It is Niall Boyle with you for the next hour or so on the Niall Boyle podcast. Stroke a show. They told me to shut up, but I didn't. And I haven't. And I won't. Don't forget, by the way, you can subscribe to us and support us by going to our website, nileboylan.com. Just click on the register there, share it with your friends, and get everybody to subscribe to us. The more you subscribe, the better we can make things. Of course, as I said before, all this costs money, and we have to provide that money somehow. We don't make money out of it, but we ask you to support us. That's all we ask you to do. The price of a pint of beer by going to the website, nileboylan.com. Don't forget, by the way, if there's ever an issue you want raised on this show, all you got to do is WhatsApp us on 85 That's 85 There's the number on the screen. You can't miss it. You can also email us if you want. It's nile at nile. Boylan.com. That's Niall at NiallBoylan.com. If there's any issue you would like raised on the show, we get so many requests for different things. Some things we can talk about, by the way, if it's something that's personal to you, for example, somebody sent us a message the other day about the waiting list in the hospital and a particular problem they had personally. It's very difficult to, to do those things because we can't get a comment from the HSC or anybody else on an individual case. But if you have a general you know, topic that you want raised, uh, we would love to hear about it. Uh, we also have, of course, don't forget our interviews. If you go to our website as well, we do broadcast this live every day because we want you to interact with the show. But we also do an interview. A little bit later on, I'll be talking to Larissa Nolan, who's the editor of the Irish Mirror and journalist, who broke the story, of course, in relation to the school teacher who is demanding that pupils use the they-them pronoun. We'll be talking about that today to some degree, but I do want to change it up a little bit. And the reason I want to change it up is you may be familiar with that story. Kids in a primary school in Dublin have been told to uh, call their or refer to their, tr- their teacher as gender neutral. Now, I have no idea whether the teacher was originally born male or female, uh, but they want to be referred to as they, if not by their own name. And the third class pupils returned to school last week to be informed the new teacher wants to be referred to, according to the Irish Daily Mirror, by the first name only or the pronoun they, them. Uh, the children uh, from the Dublin Educate Together School, aged eight and nine, were told on their first day back in school, according to parents, they have, see, have seen or been corrected by the teacher for saying the word she and thought to, uh, to say the word they, them. Now, it is believed to be the first time in an Irish school this has actually happened. But this comes in the same weekend, of course, that Enoch Burke has gone back to jail again. Uh, of course, I don't agree with everything the Burke family stand for. I agree with some of it, but not all of it, certainly, because, of course, I'm not a believer in God or a Christian. But in saying that, you must give him 10 out of 10 for determination and sticking to his principles. So gender is in the news quite a lot this week. And psychologist and campaigner Stella O'Malley believes that the, the teacher is putting the needs and the welfare of the children or their own needs and welfare ahead of that of the children. And she is the founder of the gender, gender critical group Genspect. Uh, and it's uh, the first such case in a school in Ireland or in the UK. She said, um, insisting the children use the they them pronoun is in breach of the HSE's Children's First Guidelines, which recommend that adults need not be placed before children's needs. So here's the question I wanted to ask today. I don't want to specifically talk about that particular teacher because outstandingly all over social media nobody seems to agree with it and I think the Department of Education and the school need to investigate that matter and come to some sort of conclusion because I don't think parents agree with it in general some parents may but most don't seem to if your own 10 year old child daughter or son came home after hearing all this stuff constantly and told you they were confused and they wanted to change their gender what would you do? would you ignore it? remember they're 10 would you support it? or support them? You know, and immediately start referring to them as some new pronoun they wanted, be it a non-binary pronoun or a they, them or a Z or whatever pronoun they want to use. 
Or would you just tell them, listen, it's impossible. Don't be so silly. Run along now. I'm not changing any gender names. What would you do in that situation? Let us know. The number, as usual, 85 55 What would you do if it was your 10-year-old daughter, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew? What would you do? Would you support their new pronouns at 10 years of age? Let me know. As I said, it's 85 55 Get involved now, and you can come on the air. If you want to come on the air, just WhatsApp the words, let me on. And our producer will gladly give you a quick call back and we'll get you on the air as quick as we possibly can. Let me go to John. Hi, John. How are you? John, hi. Oh, I don't think he's around there for some reason. Let me see. We'll go to um, Morris. Hi. How are you, Morris? Afternoon. How are you today? Good afternoon to you, Morris. Yeah. Unfortunately, John doesn't need to be paying attention there. Maybe he's in delay or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. Morris, I mean, do you believe that parents need to take control of a situation like this or should they be supporting the child in a situation like this? I think, my, you know, I have my kids rare. They're all adults now. And if I was a parent today, I'd find raising children very challenging. Me, when a teacher goes into a school, they're there to do a job to teach the children and enlighten them and encourage them to be good at what they're learning. Whatever you want to be outside of school hours is your business. You should not be imposing your personal views or opinions about yourself or your gender on children. That's where the thing is going wrong. Children are young, they're vulnerable, and they're very open and easily swayed. And if I did have a child that came home at 10 years of age and said, Daddy, uh, I don't want to play football anymore. I want to go to the clubs with the girls and I want to be a, a brownie or some, you know what I mean, or, or the Girl Scout. This is where the confusion is coming from. And then if I go back to the old school way of, you know, I asked Holy God for me and Mammy to have a baby boy and he gave us you. And now you have a little sister that we asked Holy God for and that you have a little sister or you have a little brother. Jesus, that they the basic rules of growing up and nurturing your children and your family. And if they want to go down the road of being something else. So I do have a brother now who's older than me. And his daughter, at 34 years of age, decided that she wanted to change gender. Right. So it's not only the young people, it's right through the ages. Well, look, the well, they, well here's the thing, Morris. If somebody's an adult, yeah. you don't have to believe it if you don't want to. If they want to change their gender, yeah. that's their own bloody business, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay, and it's the same for teachers. You should I'm not personally be, speaking, I don't believe you can change your gender, but if they want to, I respect that. And yeah. That's their business, right? They don't. I just Same don't force me. me to play along with it. Now, but but, the, brother, my, but but no, we're talking about children, and children yeah. are very easily manipulated because there's a thing very called so, social cont uh, contagion. And I'm yeah. going to give you a simplified version of that. Do you remember when you were a kid and you wanted a bit of attention yeah. in school? So you said to your ma, "I think I need glasses," even though you didn't. Because you wanted to wear glasses, because you thought yeah. that might make you look different or intelligent. Or the kid, one of the kids in the class broke his arm, and everybody was all of a sudden interested. You said, "God, I wish I broke my arm." There was, I know that sounds daft, but that's how easy children are manipulated. Children are manipulated to being something that they're not, to maybe get a bit of attention, or maybe feel that they might be more popular, or whatever it happens to be. I don't know the reason, but yeah. there is there is evidence out there. A lot of it has been debunked, by the way, in relation to social contagion, and being debunked on ethical grounds, which is the wrong grounds to debunk something. Um, in other words, there's a suggestion out there that if they ask students why they do this, it's because two of their friends had done it, or three of their friends had done it, exactly. or somebody else in the school did it. So it's... it's um what would you call it? Uh, not guilty by association, but it's passed around and it looks trendy. And like you said, children that young and younger are like sponges mm. and they want to be accepted and they're easily influenced. I watched a video over the weekend 
of a boy that was in school in Australia and in a dress with long hair. And he clipped the girl on the back of the head and she stood up and defended herself. He pulverized her. He absolutely pulverized her. I remember you talking one day, watching UFC, and you saw a girl and she pulverized the girl in the I remember head. that, yeah. Directly. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? That's what went on in the video. This young was about 15. He was allowed to go around the school in a dress. Yeah, and he absolutely tore that young one apart. I don't know how he didn't kill her. He attacked her that point. Well, he's just a violent and person. It doesn't him. matter whether he's yeah. male or female, he's just a violent person. Exactly. Yeah. But you see the way he, he done that? And let me say, that's horrific. For any human being to attack another human being like that is horrific. But getting back to skills, like... So, so, really so getting, getting, just getting back to what you would do in that situation. So let's say when your grandchildren came to yeah. you and said, you know, Granddad Morris, you know, I don't want to be a girl anymore. I want to be a boy or I don't want to be a boy anymore. I want to be a girl or I want to be neither. I want you to call me they yeah. and there or them. What no. would you do? I'd say, I'd say, listen, it's like when you're going to your gymnastics. If you don't want to go anymore, you don't go. You go to your tennis or you go to your swimming or something else. And I said, because you were born a little girl, when you grow up, you don't want to be a little girl. Oh, we've lost your line there, Boris. Pick up your phone, sorry. Oh, we've, we've lost his line, sorry. I do apologise. Um, John, sorry, are you back there with us? Unfortunately, John is not coming up with us there on line one. Uh, Lisa, hi, how are you? Hi, Lisa, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Niall? John, I'll come back to you in a second. I realise what the problem is now. But go go ahead, Lisa. Um, Niall, I got a call from Elaine, your uh, researcher, and we were just chatting there about what would I say to my children if they came home one day and said they wanted to change genders. So basically, I said to her, I haven't waited for my children to come to me. I continue to have that conversation with them. I brought it up with them. And basically, they're, they're 9, 9, and 12. And um, I just say to them, can a boy turn into a girl? And they say no. And can a girl turn into a boy? And they say no. But I say, you know, can you be an effeminate boy? And they say yes. Can you be a tomboy girl? And they say yes. And, you know, do we respect everyone? Yes. So I, I haven't waited for them to come to me. It's, it's too important an issue. I mean, you know, that's so the way it was. I mean, that's the way it was 30 years ago. If a girl liked to play with the guys or play football or play rugby or get down and dirty with the lads and hang out with the lads or wear the jeans and not wear dresses and high heels or whatever it is, because you don't have to be stereotypical, right? We just accepted that. And that was just, oh, they're a tomboy. And normally that person, and I know somebody like that, when they got to an older age, then embraced their femininity. So what I'm saying is, but nowadays it seems to be a case of if you're a tomboy, oh, well, then obviously she wants to change her gender. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, there's a lot of, you know, social contagion around it. Um, it can be seen to be the instinct to do. Um, also, if any of my children came to me and felt they were in the wrong body, I would be seeking immediately an assessment for autism because the National Gender Service late last year in Ireland came out and said up to 90% of children presenting um, at their clinics are on the spectrum, on the autistic spectrum, and about 91% are depressed, anxious, or have low mood. So, you know, there's something else going on in the background there that I would be looking to get to the bottom of. Um, you do, know, you, do, you do you believe this can be a social contagion? I, I do. 
do, I believe particularly for girls, um, and I can remember what it's like to be a 12 or 13-year-old girl, and your friends are everything. I have a 12-year-old girl right now, and uh, I'm watching it happen, in, you know, in real time, and it's natural, and that's, that's part of life, and they're growing up. Um, and my understanding is a lot of what's being presented um, in these gender dysphoria clinics, particularly in relation to girls, are girls who never had any, weren't even tomboys. Um, you know, when they were younger, say in primary school, but within friend groups, um, it is becoming a thing and they're going on from there. Girls, you know, 12, 13, 14, and 15 year old girls are very impressionable. And, you know, I do believe, particularly, it's my understanding, I don't, I haven't heard as much about the boys, but particularly with girls, that there is. Yeah. Um, yeah social contagion aspect of it and that they do grow out of it, you know, that it does change. Well, I know Stella O'Malley, who has written books on this, and she's a psychologist, has said this in the past, that she herself was a tomboy up to the age of 16 or 17 years of age and later in life embraced her own femininity. And she said if at that particular time, if we were living in today's world, she would have been convinced by others, well, you can change your gender. And God only knows what could have happened. She could have ended up in puberty blockers and all sorts of things, which would have been a radical mistake. Now, I'm not saying it's a mistake for everybody, but it certainly would have been a mistake for her. Well, she has said she believes absolutely she would have gone through with it. And she was ahead of the curve. I think it was 2017 or 2018 on Channel 4 in the UK. She did, I think it was a two-hour documentary on transition regret when none of us really knew anything about this. Mm -hmm. And I watched it and I was just amazed. And, you know, she really focused on the fact that very, very little information was given to these young people before they had you know, surgery that essentially was uh, mutilating and, and sterilizing them. And they didn't, you know, have the proper care um, that they needed to, to talk through it before they were rushed into it. And when she would ask them afterwards, you know, were you told this or were you told that? They weren't. And so- we have seen some horrendous stories coming out of Tavistock in the UK. Uh, in relation to, you know, individual cases who have now gone to court who have severe regrets and believe that they weren't put through the process properly or assessed properly before they were offered the opportunity to have gender reassignment, which can be disastrous. Absolutely. And it makes them a lifetime pharmaceutical client worth, um, in today's money, about a million dollars. So, you know, you have to look at who benefits from this. Okay, but then, then there's the argument that if your child comes to you, and we've seen in the papers this week, we now have a school teacher who is demanding that the yeah. students refer to them as a they, them. Um, but if your child comes to you and says they're confused about their gender or they want to be a boy and they're a girl, or they want to be a girl and they're a boy, or they want to be non-binary, and you don't support them, that you're being a bad parent in some way. Well, I always support my children. So whatever they come to me about, they are always supported. So, you know, that is... Uh, you know, that wouldn't be correct. I would be supporting them in exploring uh, what is going on that is causing them to feel this way. They wouldn't be, you know, sent out to play, um, you know, two minutes later. We would be having discussions. Um, it, just like, Niall, if a ch- one of my children came to me who is very thin and said, I, I believe that I'm very, very fat and I want to eat less, I would not affirm that. I would give care, I would seek treatment for why they believe they're fat when they're a thin child. So, you know, we really recognize anorexia as uh, a disorder and that we do not affirm an anorexic child's belief that their body is big. 
we we work with them. And I, you know, understand it's it's a very tricky diagnosis and takes... Well, it can have serious detrimental effects if you convince your child that she's uh, overweight and they're not, or you affirm yeah. that, because that would have detrimental yeah. effects on their, on their physical health. So, you know, I would seek treatment. And anyone who would okay. say, well, only affirmation is, you know, supporting the child, that's absolutely wrong. I'm not... I'm not here to, you know, Rogers be trendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Lisa. I, you know, I'm not here to be trendy. I'm here to support my children. And we don't let children get tattoos, drive, drink, get married. Why on earth, you know, would I just say, well, they said on a Tuesday in, you know, uh, December that they're the opposite sex. I'm going to run with that now and support them. You know, I wouldn't. Okay, well, do me a favor. Stay there for a second. Adam, I'll be with you in a second. Just let me just go to John because he's been waiting a while. John, how are you doing? Sorry, I've sorted. Hi, Neil. How are you? Yeah. Look, uh, this is a very uh, big topic and a problematic one. I mean, they sent a school teacher to jail again recently, I believe, for not using the right, uh, well, right pronoun. Well, 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 now, we need to clarify. The teacher has gone to jail. It's not necessarily for not using the right pronoun. The teacher has gone to jail for not obeying the order of a court. There's a bit of a difference. Yeah. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't agree with everything that the Burke, not Burke and his family say, but you have to give the man 10 out of 10 for determination. Um, okay, but, but in saying that, let's be correct in why he's actually gone to jail. It's not for not using the right pronoun, although that's how it all started. It's for not obeying the order of a court. Yeah, but isn't it the fact that he was asked to address one of the children in a certain way? Well, that, yes, but that's how the situation started. But you have to understand why he's in jail. People keep saying he's in jail because he wouldn't call a child by a pronoun. That's not true. And for example, if he wanted to appeal that to the higher Supreme Courts, you can do that. But in the interim, he must obey the order of the court, which is to stay away from the school. Mm, mm. So there's a bit more, well, the case is a bit more complicated than you're making it out to be. That's the, the only I point. Imagine it is. I have no doubt it is, because they, they, apparently he's a fundamental Christian. They were raised at That's home, absolutely. very intelligent people, and uh, I don't know whether they recognise... Uh, well, they don't recognise transgenderism, no. Okay, transgenderism. But, 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 but let, me, let me just go back to what we're talking about. How would you feel if it was your daughter or child? Would you accept the new gender? Would you support that? Or would you say... You know, I'm not going to deal with that at all. As far as I'm concerned, you're a boy. That's the end of it. Now get over yourself and move on. I mean, how would you deal with that? Mm. Um, Yeah, well, having just, as I say, heard recently about the damaging effects of the, uh, the medical treatment, the current medical treatment these people are getting to assist them to transfer their gender. You're talking about puberty blockers, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say... I listen. Um, I'm very sorry for your problems, kid, but um, I'm not going to allow you to go. As, as long as you're under my roof, I'm not going to allow the HSE to get involved in in in, in changing your sex with these medications. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Well, sex. So people believe that you are intrinsically linked. So you wouldn't. Yeah. So you wouldn't support it. So what do you say then? And I've asked the same question, at Lisa. To parents or people or a government who will turn around to you and say, well, then you're not supporting your child and you're a bad parent. Well, this is the world we're living in today, Neil, unfortunately. Look at this, all this hate speech nonsense that's coming in, you know, and uh, people are afraid to open their mouth. Any kind of criticism nowadays, there, there will be a knock on the door next year from the hate police, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. The new community wardens, apparently, 
in, in Dublin to try and control the, the out-of-control assaults yeah. and criminality. Don't know where they're going to get them because there's no one joining the guys. So you, so you, don't, you don't agree with the hate speech no. lot? You don't they, agree they, with... They had guys down there with cat tattoos and they sent them back again and said, you're not coming in to the guards. Listen to me, the country's gone bloody mad. It's gone bloody mad. We're living in a lunatic asylum. Yeah. So, in other words, you don't, you don't obviously agree with the new hate speech laws either? Um, uh, absolutely not. Uh, okay. Orwellian stuff. You know, there's enough. And, and Mike and T then coming down and announcing a plan for new community wardens and the guards putting the par- a shot across a bell. Oh, there's nobody going to replace us. So you're not appointing anybody with powers uh, of any kind. And uh, uh, community wardens, my, my backside. And, you know, what community wardens want to go around patrolling the streets of Dublin and, and checking with druggies and even tackling them without a laser gun or, or a bit with new, equipped like the New York cops? You know, uh, okay. Well, well, hang on a second because I, I want to go to Adam as well. Adam, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are things? You've been listening listen to Lisa speaking there earlier on, and she said, and she's still on the line, she said that if it was one of her children, she wouldn't affirm the new gender because, as far as she's concerned, yeah. she's not going down that road with a child because it would be equally as dangerous if a child came home and said, you know, I feel overweight when I'm not, and you affirming that. Um, I would absolutely disagree. Look, I think, um, you know, when you're looking at, at the statistics for trans youth, um, it shows that if a parent doesn't accept uh, a child's identity, then I believe there's a five times more likelihood that that child will end up self-harming or, you know, doing something even worse than that. Um, at the end of the day, trans people have been around for centuries, as have gay people, as have lesbians. You know, we've, we've always been here. It's just now. But you're, but you're comparing transgender with sexual orientation, right? They're two completely different things. Well, well I mean, sexual know, orientation <laughs> is a real thing. You fall in love with somebody who's the same gender as yourself. Perfectly acceptable, right? And nobody's saying it's not. Well, there are some people who say it's not, but, but generally speaking, most logical people say it's <laughs> You can't help who you fall in love with, okay? That's not a physical mm. thing. When it comes to transgenderism or gender identity, that's a very different thing because people go to the trouble then of changing their gender, which informs or involves surgery. It can involve puberty blockers, which the NHS have now stopped prescribing uh, because they believe that they can do irreparable damage. So it's a much different situation. You can't compare the two. I think you 100% can. I mean, look, as, as we would always say, there's no LGB without the T. Um, well, there we was. Are. There was an LGB <laughs> without the T. And there is, there is support groups at the moment. And there is actually a Twitter account called LGB without the T, by the way. Um, so I, I do. I know them very, very well. <laughs> I've, I've had many debates in their common forums on Twitter. Um, you know, I think in all honesty, this kind of pandemonium that has come off with, with trans people only kind of within the last five years, because it seemed like for the most part, people really didn't seem to care. I mean, we had well, they one, didn't like, care. When I, when I was a kid, nobody mentioned the word. I didn't even know what gender meant, to be honest with you. The word gender was never used. It was just, what was your sex, male or female, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and as we mentioned already in relation to Stella O'Malley, who I'm sure, by the way, is the enemy of the transgender community. But Stella, <laughs> I mean, he's a clinical psychologist. And look, she's a clever woman. She talked about the fact when she was young, she was a tomboy. 
And, you know, there's no problem with girls wanting to, you know, play rugby or do boy things. There's no problem with boys wanting to play with kettles and irons and, you know, wear their mother's high heels if that's what they want to do. There's no but, problem but with shouldn't any of that. We, shouldn't, we, shouldn't we differentiate between someone being a tomboy and someone, you know, or a boy being... What's the difference? Up, What's the difference? And, a 10-year-old wanting to be like their brother. Because, because there is a diagnosis you can actually get as gender dysphoria, which is completely different than being well, it's a not a, it's not a, it's not a medical diagnosis. It's a cognitive uh, diagnosis. Yes, it is. You have I mean, to, you can't you do a blood be, test for it. No, you can't do a blood test, but in the same way, you can't do a blood test for depression, but you can still be diagnosed with depression. Based, you know, based on how you feel, yes. Yes. So, you know, if we're, if we're saying something like mental health is real, which we, I think we can all agree, you know, the likes of depression and stuff like that is, is 100% real, then we also have to make a debate that gender dysphoria is a real medical thing. I, I'm not suggesting it's not. But, 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 but what Lisa is saying is, it is a, well, she's stating that it is a condition. It is um, a mental condition uh, that a person feels that they're not in the right body. And there is remedies for that. And if you're an adult, fire away and do whatever you want. But um, in her view, as a child, we shouldn't be affirming children as being the opposite gender or indeed no gender, as some children want to yeah. be. You know what I will say, though? I think this, this very same debate was happening maybe 10 or 15 years ago, when, when realistically, when kind of, the gay rights movement really took off and, you know, there's been massive changes in the last kind of 10 to 15 years. But I remember kind of when I came out, um, I came out when I was 12 years old and I remember people saying, at that point, you're much too young to know what you are and, and this, that and the other. And here I am at 24 years old, still very much gay. Um, so I think I did know what I was talking about. So, you know, I think... Yeah, but I can't change you know, your mind about being gay, nor do I want to change your mind about being gay. But when it comes to a child, a 10-year-old, wanting to change their gender. If my if a 10-year-old came to me or my 10-year-old and said, listen, you know, I like boys instead of girls, that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's irrelevant. But, but what we're saying is this is a child wanting to change the very basis of their biology. That's a completely but different no, thing. No, I, don't think, I don't think anyone is calling for a child one day to turn around say that they feel like this and then they go into surgery the next day. And well, no, but parents up. are affirming their gender at a very young age and they're also putting them on puberty blockers or some parents at a very young age as well. Yeah, and I think, look, puberty blockers is, is, a, is a big conversation that needs to be had in terms of when is it appropriate time for that. Personally, I believe kind of for myself, 13, 14, um, I think at that point, do you really know what 13, 13 or 14 I hadn't a clue about life? I, well, I think, I think to be honest, um, from, I, look, I, I know a few trans people I went to belong to an incredible LGBT uh, organisation in Dublin um, that works with LGBT youth. And there was a youth group every Sunday and there was multiple trans teenagers there. We've all grown up together. We all still see each other in the George every now and then and, and whatever. But, you know, they're, they're all still very much as, as trans as they were when they were 13, 14 years old, you know, if, they, you know, there's, there's been a lot of talk of detransitioners and stuff, but I think detransitioners come to like maybe 2% of the population of teenagers that, um, you know, end up transitioning. It's usually, I think, to be honest, and, and mm -hmm. the argument that was put forward before in terms of, you know, this is a fad and it's something to do because people might think you're popular and stuff. You know, it's well. Where there is, where there is evidence of social contagion, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, but we've, yeah, but we've, we've not come far enough for someone to think that, 
Oh, if I transition, that'll make me Okay, I'm, look, I'm looking at a study here. Well, well stay, st- just stay there for a second, because I want to come back to Lisa, and mm. I'm going to go to Jana as well and Morris. But I'm looking at a study. In one study, almost 9 in 10 young people questioning their gender seem to be sub- subjected to social influence. In another study, two-thirds of trans-identifying young people had one or more uh, friends who are also trans. One study showed that in 36.8% of trans-identifying young people, friendship groups, the majority of members identified as trans. One study found that in almost two-thirds of cases, internet and social media usage seemed to go just before a young person came out as trans. So, in other words, what I'm saying is, there's clearly social contagion. But I would also say that that's more of a community-based thing. I mean, look, I would hang around with gay people more than I would straight people. Because yeah, but you're an adult. Shared a, but you're an adult. But even, even as a teenager, as a teenager, I mean, I was one of the teenagers that hung around at the central bank with all the other gays back then. Yeah, but, yeah, but being gay couldn't possibly be social contagion because there's no way, for example, if I hung around in a room tomorrow, Adam, with 10 of your mates, you know what I mean? I'm not suddenly going to fancy us all. I'm married know, and I'm very heterosexual. <laughs> well, 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 stay there for a second. Let me go to Lisa. Lisa, I, I mean, you've been listening to Adam. I mean, he makes a fair argument, but do you buy into it? Well, he made he made a few arguments there. So, um, one thing that I find worrying, and I think Adam he sounds very genuine to me, but I think that the suicide card in self-harming is used against parents to terrify them. Um, kind of reminds me if you have a cancer diagnosis, you are terrorized in your initial meeting with your doctor into immediate treatment, and people just go into a blind panic. You're not really given an opportunity to think. So, um, you know, I think the suicide risk um, I think new studies are coming out and looking at the suicide risk after transitioning medically, surgically. But not that you can transition. It is cosmetic surgery. You will remain a man or you will remain a woman or, sadly, you will remain a boy or you will remain a girl after the surgery um, just without your, your you know, part. Genitalia, yes. The genitalia. And what I believe is coming out very recently is they now have a bit of long-term um, you know, data on what happens after transitioning. And I do believe the, the suicide rate increases there. So there's a period of a few years where, you know, um, that maybe... So what you're is, saying is you agree with Professor McPugh, I think it was, or McHugh from the United States, who some time ago uh, wrote an article that was condemned by the transgender community saying that gender reassignment is not a cure for gender dysphoria. No, it's, it's not a magic bullet. It is permanent. It is um, disfiguring... It is sterilization. It is, um, there's many uh, who believe that it will take decades off the lives of people. Um, Girls can go bald. Their voices are permanently deepened. I'm sure we've all seen the the lovely girl who detransitioned. And it's very confusing to hear the voice coming out of her. Um, You know, she's gone back to trying to look like a girl, but her voice is, you know, massive. And, and there, there is absolute, I've, I've spoken and I've interviewed people who have regrets and who have tried to go back again. And of course, there is huge complications, particularly if you've had surgery. But there are many who don't have regrets. Now, data, by the way, just looking here, by the way, the data indicates that 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves and 40% have attempted suicide with suicidality uh, ideations highest among transgender youth using minority stress theory and interpersonal theory of suicide. The study aims to better understand suicide risk amongst the transgender youth. A lot of that 
they talk about, and I, I don't want to go into it too deeply, but a, but a lot of it, you know, refers to the fact that because they're not accepted, that they feel unaccepted, that that increases the rate of suicide as well, or, or attempts Well, that's the isn't it? We are all in agreement. I think when I first started speaking with you here, I raised the issue of low moods um, and depression in these children who are presenting themselves. So I think there is no question that there is, um, depression and issues, psychological issues going on with these children. I think across the board, we can all agree with that. What I do not agree is that rushing them into puberty blockers and surgery... Well, Adam believes 13, 13 years of age is the right age for puberty blockers, although I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but maybe that's a bit too late. Uh, 13 well, years. They, they're, they're irreversible. You know, they are irreversible. Like, uh, okay, know, well, Adam, sorry, just because I need to go to Morrissey's waiting ages, but Adam, is that not concerning? that, you know, the studies on puberty blockers are irrefutable at this stage. I mean, even the NHS themselves have now stopped prescribing them because they believe they can be, they can do irreversible damage. You know, if you've got a 13-year-old or even younger taking a puberty blocker that does irreversible damage and then has regression or regrets, should I say, when they get to 16 or 17 years of age, the damage could already be done, Adam. Yeah, but I think that's such a small minority of, like, detransitioners are not a huge population of the transgender community. I know that they're, they're kind of blown up because it's a great kind of, um, it's a great uh, kind of gotcha moment for the right. But in reality... But it is, but it is realistic. But it is realistic. If, you, if you've got even, I don't know, five, I don't know what the percentage is, five, ten percent, whatever it happens to be. Sorry, well, Adam said two percent of transitioning people detransition. I'd just like to know where he got that statistic. I'd like to follow up that research. Yeah, I believe it was from Tenny. Now I saw this data probably two or three years ago, but I believe it was from Tenny. Correct. Yeah, I'll I, I, I try and I get my producer to have a quick look in a second and see what the research says in relation to how many detransition. De but stay there, both of you, for a second, because I want to go to Morris as well. He's been waiting ages. Morris, hi. Hi, darling. Um, I'd be probably having kids in maybe three years' time, let's say. But if I had a ten-year-old. And I, that kid, um, my kid was in that school. I, I would pull them out of that school. Like that's not what you're sent to school to, to learn about. Like when, when educate, you know, educate together. Schools are supposed to be like the schools in America. Let's say no, there's no religion and it's all about maths. You know, um, languages and geography, history, etc. But you know, they're they're trying. It's like a new state religion, and people didn't vote on that. And if you look at the data, about maybe one percent of the population is transgender. Let's say. Yeah, it's a tiny like percentage. Yes. Area, yeah, in my area alone, there's now ten times that amount of people claiming that they're transgender. More than likely, they're gay, but they're autistic. So what do you well, do? Well the, well, the rate of autism is quite high amongst the transgender community. The do, the two do seem to go hand in hand, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should ignore somebody. Yeah, but like what I'm saying, to, like what I would do is I'd say, right, just wait, wait until you're 18. And more than likely, they'll say, thanks, dad, thanks to her, because I'm actually gay. And thanks for stopping me from uh, mutilating myself. But 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 but, but but I do believe I do believe there's sometimes a mistake and a confusion. And Adam kind of went into that a little bit at the start when we compared, you know, being gay to being transgender. The two aren't linked. Just because somebody is gay or even effeminate doesn't necessarily mean they want to be a woman. Like it's 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 like and the, the people who are going to be most affected are the people who go through with these operations and the puberty mm. blockers. 
And the puberty. And, and I want. And I want. And, yeah, I want to clarify. Sorry for interrupting, but I do want to clarify for the sake of Adam and Lisa that we're on earlier on. Um, according to a study, and this study I'm just looking here is by LGBT Health, um, and it says a total of 17,151, 61.9% participants reported that they had uh, ever pursued gender aff- affirmation, broadly defined. Of those, 13.1% reported of a history of detransitioning. So just to, to clarify, 13.1% according to that particular study. So that's, by the way, sorry, okay. I, I'm just to come back to you, that's quite a substantial amount of people. <laughs> But again, also, if you look at the countries that started bringing this stuff in, like all, all those countries, like the Netherlands, have stopped handing out puberty blockers and stuff. And well, many, country, many really countries really have now, yes, and many states in America have stopped using puberty blockers because, so like, because we, we don't know, I suppose. Well, can I, can I put a question up then? Can I put a question yeah. up to, to, your, to yourselves then? So if, if your 10-year-old comes to you and says, look, um, I am having gender dysphoria issues, I don't know what I am, um, instead of, okay, so good, wait until you're 18 to go down the medical route, what is the harm in using the pronouns that that person prefers and let them present well, can in I either ask you way? A question, with, no, with no medical, with no medical okay. interference. Can I ask no you a question? Interference. Why is a 10-year-old coming to Why did 10-year-olds 20 years ago not go to the parents and say, I think I'm a girl? You know what I mean? Why, why are 10-year-olds using words like pronouns or gender dysphoria or whatever it is? 10-year-olds, because I would the country, say, know the stuff country, like that. Co- yeah, but at the same time, Niall, you know, uh, you know, when you were 10, it was illegal to be homosexual. Countries changed. But there was gay lads in my class. Yeah, but it's, it's the same thing with racism. Like, kids aren't born racist. They learn it from home or learn it from somewhere oh, else. I, I agree. Like, if you look at, if you look at the, the news and everything, everyone's talking about it, it's all over the news and everything. And sure, the kids aren't stupid. They're looking at this. Maybe maybe I'm like that. Maybe if they're talking about me, because maybe I like wearing a mother's heels or <laughs> I like, if I'm a girl, I like uh, laying a few yeah. blocks if my dad's a block player. So, like, 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 that's where they're picking it up from. And it's not like they're coming, coming, you know, getting it from nowhere and saying, "Oh, I identify as this." It's all they're taking it up. From uh, but I, I disagree with that as well. I disagree with that. I look. I was. I was always um, quite an effeminate uh, boy, um, but I never, not once, you know. And I knew what trans was when I was eleven or twelve. Um, yeah, but you know, you're, yeah, was, but you're Gen Z, Adam. You're young. Yeah. But I, I knew what trans was, but I never questioned my gender because I always knew I was a boy. I just liked boys. So this kind of debate of, oh, they're just gay lads that are confused. No, no, I, know, really I would never suggest that. No. Well, but the, the, the other person on the air did um, that, you know, that it would be that these are just confused gay men or, or confused lesbians. And that's just entirely not the point. You know, it's, it, that's completely false. Um, mm. Most gay people have never questioned their gender identity. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, the people who do question their gender identity, they come into a completely different category. Absolutely, and, and this is why I said to you earlier on, I don't know why the T is connected to the LGBT. You know what I mean? Because, uh, well, because, because the, I, the gay rights, the gay rights but, movement wouldn't have started without the role of trans women. Okay, I but, mean, it, but it is, it's turned into a political movement, hasn't it, really? Apart from anything else. I, I, I would say, to be honest, I think that's the fault of the right rather than the left. I think the right have but, 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 but what I'm, trans Pardon me, but what happens is when you have a teacher, which we did at the Irish Mirror, of course, the headline on Friday was the teacher demands that students eight or nine refer to them as a they-them. Then you are politicising something. Well, I would say, I just wanted to kind of make this point earlier, and I, I never got a chance to about the whole school thing. You know, we, when I was in primary school, um, you know, I went to a Catholic primary school, and we were using, um, you could call it preferred pronouns. Um, we used father and brother and sister, and that's not miss or sir. 
Um, you know, and I was never practicing Catholic. I, you know, I don't believe that this person is any familial relation to me. But, you know, out of respect for the person, as a child, you kind of got, okay, that's what they want to be called. So you call them Father John. And okay, well, well, hang on. Let, let me just put that point to Jana as well. Jana London is from the Natural Women's Council, not to be confused with the National Women's Council. Uh, Jana, hi, how are you? I'm great, Niall. How are you? Good. Adam makes a really good point there, okay? In relation to the whole Barney about on Friday about, you know, the teacher demanding that they use the they-them pronoun, when I was in school, we had Christian brothers and we had to call them Brother John and Brother Mick. He wasn't my brother. So, factually, he wasn't my brother, but out of respect, we referred to them as brother or father or sister if it was a nun, for example. Um, and also, I had a school teacher when I was very young, we used to refer to the male teachers as master, if you remember, those those long, long days ago. And he wasn't my master. <laughs> so, so we did it out of respect. Is that not a fair point? Yeah, the the whole pronoun thing for children will very much confuse the child because I've said it a couple of times when I spoke publicly that the children are only certain about a very few things in their life. One, they're certain about their mummy and daddy, their, who their grandparents are, if they have a sibling and if they are a boy or a girl. So if a teacher suffers from gender dysphoria, which is known as a psychiatric condition, if that teacher suffers from that psychiatric condition and expects all of the children to address them as they, that only not only confuses the children in the class as to what a boy is and what a girl is, what a man is, what a woman is, but it also it, it's dictating that they play into this ideology, which is clearly not a fact, it's, just, it's a social contagion, it's a social construct. So it's very damaging for you. You haven't answered time. the question, though. You haven't answered the question. What specifically was your question? Um, I was when I was a child. We used father, brother, and sister for you know various religious orders. I was never religious. I was never confused that these people were my were my father, or my brother, or my sister. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we just did it out of respect. Um, and what's the difference between between this and that? Now I know turfs are very good at avoiding questions, but you know, please answer. Why are you that. calling Jana a turf? Well, what, if she's what is from it? the, the natural, sure the natural, the natural women's uh, trans, trans, trans exclusionary radical feminist is the exact term. But I would say, you know, if if you're part of a a, a natural women's council, if you would. Um, well, I, I don't see anything derogatory about the term natural women's I'm council. Sure, I'm not sure where I'm not sure where the word natural is derogatory to anything. We love nature. We love natural health. I'm a natural-born woman. I'm unapologetic for being a natural-born woman. I can do things that you as a man, Adam, will never do. I gave birth and I breastfed my children and I won't apologize for that. I'm a natural-born woman. I'm not asking you to apologize for that. Um, but, you know, I just, I think this whole point of... Is there, is there, Adam, is there a difference between a natural-born woman and somebody who transitions to a woman? Clearly there is, isn't okay. there? Of course there is. There's, yeah. there's, you know, a, trans, a trans woman is a trans woman. She didn't, well, you know, a, tra a, tra a trans woman is never going to have a child or, as Jana said, breastfeed a baby. I'll actually correct that. Let me just jump in and correct that. A trans woman is not a woman at all. Biological sex is innate. <laughs> a, trans, a trans person is a man identifying as a woman. Just because I identify as a rabbit doesn't mean I'm a rabbit. Uh, a woman should not be part of any trans terminology. A, trans, a man identifying as a woman will never, ever be a woman. But that's where we will always disagree. But, would you, but, but here's the thing, Jana. Would you respect a person, and I've always said this in the past, that I don't, like you, I don't personally believe a man can become a woman or a woman can be a man, but I'm respectful of people's views, particularly when they're adults. Now, with children, I think it's a slightly different situation. We have to take control of that because we have a duty as, as guardians. But as, as an adult, would you respect another person's view? 
Absolutely. It's been a doll as long as it doesn't infringe on a woman's rights or child protection. So that I'm going to give a mix, a, a two part answer to that. If a, if a man wants to wear a dress and lipstick and do whatever he wants in his life, that's up to that man. However, don't infringe on women's rights. Don't invade my toilets. Don't play against my daughter in sports and don't follow my daughter to the toilet in, in, in the shopping mall. And also don't try to erase women, she, her, or female from the Constitution, particularly under the Maternity Protection Act, as they tried to do last July. So absolutely, Adam, you can do what you want to do and how you want to do it, but don't infringe on my rights as a woman. Or on okay, is that, is that not fair, Adam? Is, is, is that unfair um, to, to suggest that? Because this is the big debate at the moment. It's in relation to women's spaces. And of yeah, course, yeah. I know you would refer to those individuals as tariffs, and, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. Uh, they would refer to you as other names too, I'm sure. But, but yeah, say, I'm sure they would. Yeah, I'm sure but, okay, they would. But the, but the point is, leaving all the, you know, the insults aside, is it not fair? And I spoke to um, Sharon Davies, the Olympic swimmer, recently, and she also talked about, in Ireland in particular as well, she referred to, you know, um, biological men being in women's sports, which can be quite dangerous in some sports because there are quite a lot bigger and stuff like that and everything else. Anyway, look, the point John is making is she's no problem. Do what you want. Wear the lipstick, the high heels and the dress and the wig if that's what you want to do and you want to identify as a woman far away. But don't follow her daughter to the, the women's toilets. Don't follow her daughter to a women's dressing room and don't invade her spaces. Is that, is that not fair? Okay. Um, I think, to be honest, I think most trans people um, will go into the bathroom that they identify as. I know that there are cases of, you know, more malicious people, you know, using the trans banner to be inappropriate. But I think, you know what, you're always going to get malicious people in every walk of life. You know, I don't think that's a trans issue. I think that's an issue with, you know, that's just someone being a predator and throwing the trans label onto themselves. But I, what I would say is, so in, in that case then, do you want a big, buffed-out, bearded trans man to use the women's bathroom who has gone through the surgeries, has, you know, all of the bits down? Personally, I believe he shouldn't, case. no. No, but then, so, okay, so the trans men should use the men and the trans women should use the men. And so... Let's, <laughs> like, let's right. stop using the word... Let's just stop using the word trans and keep it really simple. If you're born a man, use the man's bathroom. You're born a woman, use the woman's bathroom. So if you don't very, feel comfortable... Sorry, if you don't feel comfortable in the man's or the woman's bathroom, maybe we should have an other bathroom for people who are confused about their sex. Well, gender-neutral toilets are already a thing. They are, you know, gender-neutral toilets... There should always be a single-space woman's toilet where men should never come into the single-space woman's toilet where my daughter is using. So what about Never. then a, so, okay, but then would you say an extremely female presenting trans woman who has gone through all of the surgeries, has had top and bottom, um, would you say, you know, and, and for kind of the, the type of trans person uh, we would say in the LGBT community is unclockable, um, where you'd walk down the street and you wouldn't know in a million years they were trans. Should they, you know, so basically they are putting themselves in, in risk when they go into a men's bathroom as well. Would you not agree? So would you like these people to put themselves into harm's way for your own opinions and views? Let, let me just go back. I want to keep it really simple. If you're born a woman, you go into the woman's toilet. If you're born a man, I, you go into the okay, there's no, okay, there's no. Okay, let's move on because there's no movement in that argue, argument at that That's part of the day. Okay, Janet, just getting back to the original question based on what we were talking about school earlier on, right? Um, and we know the story, of course, on Friday that the, the uh, non-binary teacher wanted to be referred to they, they, as they, them. But it kind of leads us on to a question that if your child came home and said, you know, I, you know, I'm confused about my gender, I want you to refer to me as the opposite gender at 10 years of age, what would you say to them? Are you going to be non-supportive or unsupportive? Sorry. I, 
I think the best thing that a mother or father can do, and I don't know if Adam has children or not, but I'm blessed to have a son He's and 24, a daughter. 24, I doubt it. Okay, (laughs) I didn't have them at 24 either. Uh, I had them in my 40s and I have two beautiful children, a son and a daughter. And if one of them did come home and they were feeling confused, which hopefully won't happen because they very much now are proud of being a a boy and a girl. uh, And they're aware of this, this dysphoria and pronoun nonsense at a young age. But if they did come home confused, I believe the best thing that any mother or father can do is to listen to their child, to love their child and to support their child. And particularly where they've pushed okay, the well gender then it, ideology. Well, then if you're saying support their child, listen to their child and love yeah, their child. Yeah. And your child yeah. says to you, ma'am, don't call me a boy anymore. I want you to call me a girl. Yeah, that I, I would not, I would, I would not call them. I would not call my boy a girl or my girl a boy because I don't think that supports them. I think in their mind, they may think that supports <laughs> them, but I would not affirm their, I would not affirm any gender confusion. I would listen to them. Why do you feel that way? I would go on, I, I was on this morning actually looking at the GenSpect website and there's a, a very comprehensive, I think it's 30-page guide for parents. This is in, this, happens, this is a, involves Stella O'Malley, I assume, yes. I, yes, I would absolutely reach to the experts because I'm not an expert in wh- what to do if my child came home presenting as a confused child. But this doesn't negate the fact that I, I strongly believe that we should not teach every student that they can become a boy, girl, neither, or both. We shouldn't confuse the massive population for a very few confused confused about their their gender, which is a psychiatric. Okay. A lot of a lot of people are texting in, by the way, in relation to the suicide, the high suicide rate amongst the trans community. I I don't understand that, and obviously it's a psychological issue because if you go back in time, for example, and I'll just give you an interesting fact: slaves in the eighteen hundreds in America had a lower suicide rate than the trans community. So, do trans people have it harder than slaves uh, had it in America? And by the way, that statistic is a fact. I'm just stating it as a fact. So, it is obviously an issue. There obviously is an issue around uh, the suicide rate amongst the trans community. And even, as I said earlier on, the stats show that gender reassignment doesn't seem to solve that issue because the suicide rate is still equally as high after gender reassignment. Let me just go to uh, Stephen uh, in Swords. Stephen, hi, how are you? Fine, thanks, how are you? Uh, Stephen, we've been listening to Adam and he said we should accept children for what they are and if they want support and they want you to reaffirm their pronouns or change their pronouns, you should go along with that. But you've listened to Jana and Lisa saying absolutely not. And one of the good arguments that Lisa made, by the way, is if your daughter came home and said, ma'am, I'm fat and your daughter wasn't fat or overweight, that you wouldn't reaffirm that because if you did, you would lead her down a very uh, rocky road um, of obviously having an eating disorder. So why would you affirm something that wasn't actually true as far as Lisa's concerned? I would have, I, if my if my child, whenever I have a child, uh, comes home and says that they, they think they're too fast because, but I obviously observe something different, I would do the same for if my child uh, came home and was questioning their gender identity or their sexual orientation, and I would sit them down and I'd have a conversation to figure out what made them feel that way, why are they feeling that way, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. It's that simple. If that then involves, you know, going to see counsellors or, you know, dietitians or, you know, gender-specific counsellors and things like that, then that's what happens. If my child wants to identify differently or wear different clothing or use a different name and different pronouns, I'll have that conversation and then most likely I will go along with it because it's in my child's best interest to, you know, treat them as a human being and say, well, fine, if you want to be you know, Jane tomorrow, that's fine. We'll call, we'll call you Jane. If you want that to happen in school, that's fine. I'll have a talk with the, with the school about it. Um, 
and if you need to wear if you want to wear the women's uh the girls uniform or whatever it is then we can look at that as well you know and then but i would also have a, another conversation with them to say by the way there are people like jana and lisa and all of the other people that are on you know on the show and in your comment section i'm sure that will you know feel justified in calling you every name under the sun in making you feel like you should go and jump off a bridge and you know, I yeah. want well, you to be prepared I, I, but, for that, yeah, and I, I want you to come to me if you ever feel like that. But I've listened to Lisa, and I've listened to Jana, and I know they get a hard time, and I know Adam referred to them as TERFs. Um, but in saying that, I didn't hear any hatred. I didn't detect... Now, I'm not referring to any of the times Jana's ever been on anything else, or been at protests, or whatever it is. I'm talking about right now, on the air. All I heard was a parent... You just I, accused I, I, any particularly manly-looking woman, or a trans woman... Of being a predator for happening to follow their child. She knows she never. I didn't hear she. I didn't hear her use the word predator. No, I know what. No, what she what she said was, I don't want a biological male following my daughter into the bathroom. Following their child into the bathroom. No, I I think I think what she meant by following, if you take the context of what she meant, was in other words, using the bath, the female bathroom. Is still there? Ask her why. Well, she's gone now. Fine. Well, then I can infer because she can't contradict me, that she would call that child, that person a predator to their child. That's not what I think she inferred. Well, the context I think she was using was using the female bathroom. In other words, her daughter would be using a female bathroom. And I think that's the, that's the, the point she made. But, but in saying that, what I'm saying to you is, when I asked her about sitting down and talking to your child, or would you support your child if they were 10, she did say, I would listen, I would support, I would talk to. I mean, that's all... And you then, expect a good parent. Said, but, then I, but, then, but then she also said, but I wouldn't do, you know. I but she wouldn't uh, affirm a pronoun. No, she wouldn't. No. Yeah. But, but, uh, but a, lot of, a lot of parents, I mean, Stephen, when I put these topics up on social media or Facebook or Twitter, and okay, it's fair to say that some of my, my audience might be slightly biased because I'm a conservative, right? But generally speaking, the vast majority of people don't agree with the pronoun. Look at the outrage on Friday when that story appeared in the Irish Mirror where a teacher said she wanted her students to refer yeah, okay. to her as a they-them. So, what, so what I'm saying is the majority of parents don't want to be referring to their children as the opposite gender. Well, because we know how triggered the right can get as easily as, you know... They're not all right wing. Will you stop using, is... stop using a right? I, I mean, I haven't called the pair of lefties. Do you know what I mean? So stop referring to people as... I, I, I'm accepting and respecting both of your opinions. So what I'm saying is, mm -hmm. just because somebody has a different opinion doesn't mean they have to... Almost, saying somebody is from the right now is almost like an insult to them. Do you know what I mean? That's a bit unfair, isn't it? The people have a different view to both of you you know, we should insult their view by saying, oh, you're just a right wing. We should just ignore that. Well, I don't care what the their political view. persuasion is. Well, let's, the well, well, the then day, let's not the talk about political no, persuasion. The teacher asked. Now, the, a very you know, clever journalist who ever wrote the goddamn article for the Irish Daily Mirror and then subsequently in Gripped and everything else said, demanded, asked and demanded are synonyms of each other, you know, but the tone is very different. Same way as gender and sex are synonyms of each other because that's just what we've been doing. So inferring that somebody can change their gender, you're actually inferring that somebody can change their biological sex. The well, the two are well, the two are intrinsically linked, Stephen. Well, that's just that you just acknowledge that gender is a thing and that sex is a thing, but they're linked together and they're not the same. 
but they're not the same, but they are intrinsically linked. If you were born a male, they match. you and identify I'm a as a male. I'm man, and I'm going to assume that Adam... You're is not a cisgender man, man, you're a man. <laughs> can you not just I'm, say I'm a man? I identifies with the sex that I am assigned at birth. Okay, so can you not just say I'm a man? Why do you have to say I'm a cisgendered yeah, man? The same way as a trans man can say that they're a man. Then and a trans woman can say that they're a woman, because that's what that is. And for all intents and purposes, legally and, you know, cosmetically and appearing and everything like that, they are a woman. Or okay, in relation, in relation, and just very quickly, sorry, Adam, I'll come back to you in a second. The, the debate I was yeah. talking to Adam there about puberty blockers, which is becoming a large, a big debate. In many countries now, they're now refusing to prescribe them. Even the NHS in the UK won't prescribe them anymore. The NHS is still prescribing well, puberty, on, on, puberty blockers to anyone that was being seen by Tavistock because Tavistock is still working with all of the clients that they still had when they were officially told to close. Okay, well, I can get you the documentation of the NHS in a second, but they do in some existing cases, but they're not, they're not taking on anybody new. They will not prescribe them anymore. No, they're not. Okay. And the reason for that is in, in their own literature on their, the NHS website, they do have concerns in relation to the side effects or possible irreversible side effects, including bone density and many other things in relation to puberty yeah. blockers. So from that point of view, should we be considering doing the same here, as they've done in many states in America, as they've done in many countries around the world, where they're now considering banning the use of puberty blockers for a 13-year-old? Because let's be clear about it. A 13-year-old doesn't know his arse from his elbow or her arse from her elbow. You know, generally. You're a 13-year-old. I know. There are many 13-year-olds out there that didn't even tie their shoelaces, for God's sake. So I wouldn't trust a 13-year-old to make a life-changing decision. Would you? I would trust a 13-year-old to come to me and talk to me about it and then with the right medical assessments maybe possibly get put onto something like a puberty blocker or uh, cross-sex hormones. Cross-sex hormones do help counter the risks of osteoporosis and things like that as well, just as a point. And like, like, I, like I've already said, I think it's a case of, you know, even if you're a bit iffy on, on the medical side of things, and I do guess that there are studies out there, and, you know, I fully hear you, um, but I think if a child comes to you, I really don't see the harm. If you're not too comfortable with maybe, you know, going down the medical side of things, waiting till they're 18 until they can make that choice themselves. I really don't see why you wouldn't want to at least make that child feel heard and say, right, if you want to change your name, if you want to present as the other gender, that's totally fine. We can do that. But medically wait till you're 18. I think that, you know, I feel like that's a completely fair way to handle it as well. Okay, I, 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 I would, for the, in the interest of balance, I just want to give you the, the NHS here and what they say, okay? So puberty blockers, this is the NHS website, by the way. Uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers or gondodrophin, I think they're called, releasing hormone analogues, uh, pause physical changes in puberty, such as breast development of facial hair. Little is known about the long-term side effects of hormone or puberty blockers in young children with gender dysphoria. Although GIDS uh, advises this as a physical, physically irreversible treatment, if stopped, it is not known what the psychological effects might be. And for that reason, they, they don't actually prescribe them anymore. I mean, I think we should all look at that, and, and the HSE should look at that as well. And we should be more cautious around what we do and how we deal with something that may not be permanent, Stephen, because there have been children. I mean, if we go back to my past, even, you know, girls who were, you know, tomboyish or boys that were effeminate or camp. And, you know, and later in life, they then embrace their own, you know, uh, masculinity or femininity. You know, they change their, their views. So we have to be very careful what we do with, when it comes to children. Would you of not course, agree? we should always be careful. Yeah. So, but so, at the same point, don't, don't, think that you're actually making some clever point by saying tomboys and femme girls 
you know, that's it's a fucking nonsense at the end of the day. It's not a in nonsense. In the sense that the majority of, yes, there are a lot of lesbians and a lot of trans people that are, fem, are fe- feminist, and there are a lot of gay men that are uh, a feminist and, you know, a lot of trans people that might be a feminist. But there's a difference the in the gay don't man necessarily thing. Go together. No, you're right, they don't. And I said this to Adam earlier on. You could be 13 years of age and be attracted to Stereo boys. type of gay men and gay women. No, I, I was the first one to say to Adam earlier on, let's not connect the two because it's completely wrong to connect the two. For example, and I mentioned to Adam earlier on as well, you could be 13 and believe that you're gay. You could be attracted to boys. Absolutely, you could be. You could change your mind by the time you get to 16 or 17 and believe that, oh, okay, maybe I was just, you know, I was just confused. Yeah. yeah. And, and you might end up marrying a woman. So what I'm saying is, but the difference between t- with trans and somebody identifying as a different gender is that we as parents then have a responsibility and a duty to make a decision on their behalf because they can't make a decision, they're not allowed. So we have a duty, well, in some countries they are now, but we have a duty to make a decision on their, on, their, on their behalf. And if that decision involves, you know, renaming them, changing their pronouns, or indeed putting them on a puberty blocker, or in some countries allowing surgery under the age of 18, which is bizarre. Um, well, then we have to think seriously about it. Of course we should absolutely think seriously about uh, it. Every no, parent I would, want, I'm sure. Say, thank you very much for having me on. I actually have to run back. My lunch break is finished. Okay, so no, no, but Adam and I do, appreci- I do appreciate you coming on the air, Adam. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Niall. Uh, let me just say, stay there, Stephen. Let me go to Alicia De Bruyne uh, from the, the CEO of Countess, who I'm sure many people would be familiar with at this stage, who are constantly campaigning about biological men being in women's sports. Uh, Leash, uh, is, sorry, I, do, I always say Leash. Is it Leash or Leisha? It is Leisha. Leisha. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can hear you fine, Leisha. Leisha, you've been... Let's talk to you again, man. Uh, Leisha, you, uh, let me just come back to the original argument. This started, of course, with the Irish Mirror story about the teacher who was requesting that children use either her name or use the they-them pronoun in the schools of eight and nine-year-olds. Then it moved on to, you know, what would you do if you're a child? And what would your advice be if a child, eight or ten years of age, comes home to the parent and says, I want you to change my pronouns? How would you react to that as a parent? So myself personally as a parent, um, I would be very much against it. Um, but I think it's important to um, handle it lightly um, and gently and carefully. And, you know, as Abigail Schreier says in her book, Irreversible Damage, parents need to be the handrail in their children's lives. So when they're questioning like this, you know, you can have the confidence to say, no, no, you know, you are a boy or you are a girl. And that's not bigoted and that's not transphobic in any way. It's just a mere matter of material reality. And really my message to parents um, and our message to parents as an organization is that, you know, there might be a lot of parents who are who put their children in Educate Together schools who are now highly concerned about this being rolled out. Um, or indeed parents... Well, it's in one case, isn't it? Yeah, but we know, and you, you, you'll remember that when I was last on your show, which was back in May, June time, I did warn that we knew that teachers were literally going to be rolled out like foot soldiers for this ideology because we had seen a paper trail with documents um, and evidence of documents which literally told them to say to their classroom, hello class, my name is Mrs. Murphy, my pronouns are, you know, they, them or whatever. So this has not really come as a shock to our organisation. But my message is that, you know, if you go online and you look up the Countess, our website, you'll see a there's a free resource called Empowering Parents. It's written by a clinical psychologist and myself and another barrister. And, and really, we offer a framework for progressive 
parents to dissent from this ideology. I think for too well, long... Stephen would, would, Stephen would say, Leisha, that that is not progressive. That the whole idea of, say, a teacher saying, hi, my name is Miss, whatever it is, and I, I use the, the she, her pronoun, is being progressive. They would say it is being progressive, that you're not being progressive. Well, firstly, I would say it's an absolute abuse of the power of that teacher that they have in the classroom. Classrooms should not be used as holding pens for indoctrination. It's also a breach of the constitutional rights of parents of those children who, after all, must be consulted and under the Education Act, legislatively and constitutionally, to have those rights to be consulted and to be informed. And thirdly, there's absolutely no legal right. There's no legal basis. There's no right exists in law, as it stands in Ireland today, to have your preferred pronouns used. Uh, I think that has been widely misinterpreted by NGOs and indeed by IREC. Uh, we've seen this come up, come up in, in test cases uh, where they've said, you know, at the James Brown that you, you can, basically you must uh, be respected and your, your, uh, your gender identity must be respected. Um, in fact, the, gen the only protected ground in law is gender reassignment. And that cannot be used as uh, a sword. It can only be used as a shield. And what I mean by that is it cannot be invoked. So you can't say, oh, I have a gender identity and I demand that these people in this workplace or indeed in my classroom, which is even more egregious because these are little small children after all, whose care, you know, the parents have handed them over to your care. You cannot demand that your gender identity is respected by those people. That law does not exist in, in this jurisdiction. Okay, well, well, let me just, well, let me go back to Stephen. Stephen, just, just in, I know it's only bloody one case, right, at the moment of a teacher saying this to, to children. And in fairness, the teacher, as far as I know, did say you can use my name or the, or the pronoun mm. they, they, them. But, you know, a lot of people believe that, you know, gender pronouns, apart from the, the normal he, him, or, or her, him, or whatever it happens to be, she, her, she, him, I get confused now, um, are an ideology. And that anything apart from the obvious two biological pronouns um, is basically something that's made up. And to just force children to use something that is your gender pronoun, your identity, that's made up is wrong. Do you accept that? No, it's a nonsense. We've had gendered pronouns in the English language since we've had the English language well, we, in every language. Well, we, had, we, had two, we had two pronouns. He, him, she, her, they, them, thou, well, they, the, ye, you, use. I can't think of the others off the top of my head. Well, they is usually a word of them for plural. That's a plural word. It's not. It's, it's also used singularly where the gender is not uh, necessary for the context of the conversation and it gets used all the time. We use it all the time. That, Everybody uses it all the time. In I this particular case, no. But I, but I wouldn't refer to you, Stephen, as they. I would refer to you to, as him. You can call me they, though, as well. But, the, but that, but, but that wouldn't be grammatically correct if I was referring to you as a, as a they. Grammatically correct because they is used when they is when... No, they, I would use they as a group of people. But I wouldn't, it wouldn't be grammatically correct. But, but, no, but it wouldn't be grammatically correct for me to refer to you as a they. As a they. That wouldn't be grammatically correct. No, not as they, yeah. or as a they, because that's obviously not grammatically correct. If you're or them. I will say, I was talking to Nal, they were saying that this is this, and Leechu was saying that this is this, and they were also saying this. I could also say Nal was, and he was, and Leechu was, and she was. It doesn't make a difference, because the person who's listening to me will understand the context of what the hell I'm speaking. Is that now, not... What I, well, I, just okay, want, but, but, I just also want to point out that 
no school is ever required in my knowledge of fucking being around on the planet for 34 years that you must provide every school must provide a list of the teachers that are going to be talking to your students for eight hours a day or six hours a day or whatever it is they're you know male female boy girl pronouns addresses ethnic origins religion anything like that none of that is required none of that is required if any of that changes so this whole making a big boo-ha-ha that one uh, non-binary teacher uh, going into their class and asking them to call them by their first name which i believe most students in educate together schools already do or to refer to them simply as they instead of he or she is not a godforsaken big deal and it wouldn't be if there was a hundred and one thousand of them either so you're getting your knickers in a twist about nothing okay sorry Lisa. go ahead respond well Lisa, he said you're getting your knickers in a twist about nothing Look, I'm just going to not even react to that uh, level of debate. But it's also completely disingenuous, disingenuous of him to pretend that pronouns are not a key pillar and indeed a signifier of adherence to gender ideology. That is why people use them. I presume this teacher... Well, then we've been adhering to gender ideology for two and a half thousand years or however long the English language has been around. This is a completely... Oh, hang on, please, Stephen. Stephen, let her respond, Stephen. It's an entirely dishonest line of argument. I'm not even going to argue with it because we all know that pronouns, preferred pronouns, are part of gender ideology. Indeed, they're a pillar of it. They're signifier signifier of it. In my view, they are a gateway drug that lead to a place where you have men inside female spaces. Because if you say that there isn't a simple, uh, the sex is not binary and there are more than two sexes, therefore it's a slippery slope. And we end up, as we have done in this jurisdiction, with rapists, in female prison with people locking like themselves for 22 hours a day and left on their own. With Shona Kavna, who has been convicted of throwing a woman across the floor in a homeless shelter, tearing out clumps of her scalp and hair in doing so. These are incredibly dangerous and violent men. Nobody people. in their right mind would ever want any of them in spaces with extremely vulnerable women in homeless shelters and in prison. And I think it is absolutely an abomination that that's what has happened. And you know, my, really my message to people is that this is not going to go away. And I think that our work in the context on the ground, I must say in an extremely hostile environment for the past three and a half years, you know, we have been trying to uh, help people join the dots and explain how much of an existential threat that all of this, you know, something like pronouns may seem harmless. It's far from harmless. It is all part of the same ideology, and this is what we have to okay. stand up and uh, uh, face as a society. Let, let me ask Stephen that, because Stephen, you know, many people refer to it as an ideology. It's not a new word, okay? Many people refer to it as an ideology, because let's be clear about it. We're talking about something that is an identity. It's not a fact. Somebody is born a man, that's a fact. Somebody is born a woman, that's a fact, right? We, you can't change those. And people can be born between okay, both binary sections. That is extremely unusual, all right? Intersex people are normally born with male chromosomes, by the way, can I point out? And generally speaking, a decision is made at birth as to which uh, genitalia will be surgically operated on. And the child is mutilated. Well, well, unfortunately, it's either that or a child grows up with, you know, two sets of genitalia, So, in some, sometimes in intersex situations. And in intersex situations, as I said already, generally speaking, they've now established that the majority of intersex people are actually male. Uh, they're, well, they've male chromosomes. 
Okay, they don't. Okay, the point I'm trying to make is we know if somebody's a man when they're born, we know somebody's a woman when they're born because it's biologically stated within their genitalia and their chromosomes. Now, if somebody wants to identify later in life, that's their own bag. Let them at it. But the point now I've lost my train of thought. But the the point is. Anything in between that is something you identify as. That inherently is an ideology. So the same way as you, you identify as a Christian or you identify as a Muslim. Again, Christianity, religions are an ideology. And um, We have for years said that we should not be teaching ideologies in school when it comes to religion. So why should we then accept that it's okay to have another ideology and we just replace one with another the same way as we got rid of uh, religious or to say we got rid of blasphemy laws going back a few years ago because we believed that if you want to have an opinion or you want to insult a religion it should be perfectly fine for you to do that you shouldn't probably do it but it should be perfectly fine if you do that not illegal for you to do that we've now replaced those ideologies with another one and you can't insult them so why why are we suddenly replacing one ideology with another in schools well, the majority of schools are still run by one dominant ideology, and the majority of parents, when you ask them, do you want this uh, ideologically run school to be replaced with a poly ideology, for the want of a better term, to try and use some uh, of the English language, something like educate together, they rail against it and go, no, because I chose this school because it is run by a particularly a particular faith ideology, or it's run in English or Polish or whatever it is. You know, so you can't on one say on one hand say we got rid of all this because, and then say well we can't we we want to get rid of the same thing, and then everybody you know can't then no but we we want to teach children get rid of it because I'm, I think I it's want important my child educated in a Catholic faith. Yeah, I don't necessarily want my child educated in any faith, but but, but if I had young children now, but, but but the point I'm trying to make is we want children to be educated in what we believe is fact. And what, when it comes to scientific fact, when it comes to mathematical fact, when it comes to language fact, when it comes to, you can teach them about religions and theology, for example, that's a fact. But, but mm -hmm. you don't want to teach them something that we don't believe is a fact. I mean, being, uh, if you're a man and you want to be a woman, that's your bag, that's your identity, that's fine, I couldn't give a shite. But, but in that saying then that... becomes the fact but that it's not I, a am, fact. I am a woman. You, well, you're not a biological woman. You're not. That's the bottom line. You're a man who identifies as a woman. Measure other than the fact that I may or may not have. Stephen, let's be one hundred percent clear about this, right? If you want to identify as a woman, I respect that. That's absolutely fine. You're a man who identifies as a woman. You're not a woman, but as far as you're concerned, as a matter of fact, I am a woman. No, you're not. As far as I'm concerned, you're a man there who identifies. But I, I do, but I do respect you, and I respect how you identify. Uh, no, caller on previous occasions or something. No, I'm still speaking. Thank you very much. Sorry, Leisha. Um, I will let that, you come back in. That you know, you can you can have in inverted commas respect for what for anybody, but it's not respect unless you actually believe that you are being respectful to that person or that you that's understand utter and accept nonsense, that person. Now that's that you, in other words, you are saying what you're saying to me is. You want me to believe it. That's like saying to me, for example, if me and you, let's say I'm an atheist and you're a Christian, and you say to me, I believe in God. I say, I respect your belief in God, but I don't have to believe in God to respect your belief in God. Otherwise, you're forcing me to believe in God. Even gender ideology to... I don't believe a man. I don't believe a man can become a woman. Can you not accept that I don't believe that? Oh, you can, by all means. I don't care. So what I'm saying is, but I respect that you do believe that, and I respect the person who identifies. When somebody it. then decides to wipe out an entire fucking group of people, or legally and or sociologically, 
because they disagree no, with it. Again, again the analogy I'll use is I'm not wiping out, you know, uh, six million or six billion people in the world who believe in a religion or believe in a God. I'm not wiping them out. I respect their belief in a God. I just don't believe in a God. But don't force me to believe in a God. Leisha, sorry, let me just let you respond to everything Stephen said there. Go ahead. Um, look, I think it would be much better if we all just tried to debate the reality of this rather than, you know, I, I feel like a lot of this is kind of straw man arguments. Um, like, for, like, we know for a fact, it is a matter of fact, that 4,000 parents, an unprecedented number uh, of submissions into the NCCA consultation, were all highly concerned about the indoctrination of the children with regard to gender identity ideology. I would call parents and concerned individuals to back Father Tabin's uh, into position to freeze the rollout of the RSE SVHE um, um, framework of the curriculum before um, a proper risk assessment is done. Um, I think it's fair to say that teachers are being used um, and brought up and indoctrinated into activists. And actually, we've already seen an example of this already, the way the playbook works. So we know that the teacher who's in this Educate Together school is chair of the LGBT teachers group within in, in, INTO. And we know, for example, there's a man called Julia who played in a girls' junior league match in Dublin the summer before last. And he's also on a committee and he was uh, instrumental in the very shocking um, decision by the LGFA to allow any male over 12 to apply to play in the sport. Now, I can tell you for a fact, Niall, parents do not want their daughters tackled by men on the football pitch. Uh, they do not want their children in school indoctrinated into this ideology. Um, but it's very clear that what's happening here is certain activists within certain professions or sports are pushing this. And what they're trying to do is normalize it. So this may seem like a minor matter or no big deal or it's only one teacher, all these other arguments that we're getting. But I could, I, you know, you know, I really do okay. feel it's very important to see the bigger picture. This is about normalizing this. And if we look at other jurisdictions like Canada, where does it end? You know, in Canada, you have a man coming to school every day with size Z. Oh, I see, I see, I see that ridiculous, that, that that ridiculous individual, by the way, is, and they've taken other pictures of him that he's gone now working in another school and he's not wearing the, the prosthesis, the 44 double Ds or whatever the hell they are. He looks ridiculous. Well, stay there for a second, please, Leisha and Stephen. Let me just go to Sarah as well. Sarah, you've been waiting ages. I do apologise. Go ahead, Sarah. No worries. Uh, thanks, Niall. I'm, I'm so glad to have Leisha on. She's making so much sense. Um, I just know the rage in Stephen's voice and his swearing and his Temper. Well, I didn't hear him and swearing. Well, go on. Well, you no, know, he swore a couple of times. That that is indicative of, um, you know, this movement, this uh, ideology. And what I'd like to say is just, you know, I'm looking at the reaction of the CEO of Educate Together on Twitter at the weekend, and there's parents underneath pleading with her, saying, "Look, I wanted my child to go to your schools because I did not want them indoctrinated in any ideology, any religion." And I don't agree that humans can change sex. And I don't want my children to participate. And she's just blindly ignoring them. And I mean, for me, the key thing here is this ideology, people always go, oh, well, it's just like what happened with gay people years ago. It is nothing to do with that. This demands participation. You know, so that teacher is going in there with those programs, and that demands that the children participate in the idea that she is not the sex that she was born in. And it confuses the children. You know, I'm not Miss, I'm not she, even though they can tell that this is a woman. And so that causes the children to get confused. They're, they're eight years of age. That's child abuse. And that school is going to be facing 
Well, I, I, I do believe well, in relation to whatever the CEO said, and I didn't read the comments of the CEO at the weekend, although I know I do know the CEO supported uh, the particular teacher. I do believe that the uh, issue warrants an investigation by the Department of Education to make a decision. Absolutely. Well, to make a decision either yay or nay, and then we can have a good debate around it as to whether we agree with the Department of Education. But I do believe it warrants. And Stephen, you do believe it, it should warrant an investigation, at least if parents are concerned about it. Okay, but what do you expect to come out of the investigation then? Children's rights. Parents' rights don't have the right to force others if to you're, participate. If you as a parent don't are... want your child to go to a school that is now no, apparently no, 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 professing no. gender ideology, pull them out of the school and teach them at home. That, that's the same argument we had about religion. That's exactly the same argument. We, and then what happens if another school does it and another school does it? So, so where, where do you go then, Stephen? Yeah. Have you teach them at home? Ah, would you stop yeah, yeah. it? So, so here's the man with no children telling parents that they should pull their children out of school because they don't want them indoctrinated. In an I'm just putting out the argument that just the, the whole people like Countess and the LGBT Alliance and people like that are saying that if you don't want this done, you write to the school, you tell them that you don't want it done. If they refuse to comply with your wishes, then you are then your only recourse then is to pull them out of school because you're not going to be able to shut the school down. Nobody's going to be able to change the, the curriculum. Nobody's asking for the school to be shut down. What people are asking for is for their children not to be indoctrinated into a dangerous ideology which causes them to, call, to, to question their sex body. And Stephen, I want to call you out on something. Very clearly, sex and gender are different. Then why does this gender identification into an opposite gender lead children down a path of taking hormones and cutting off parts of their body? Because in some cases... That is what that that person wants to do, and the medical establishment has agreed that that is what they want to. That that is what is the best case for them. And just to point out, this is not a thing that you can walk into Lachlanstown in the morning and have your genitals chopped off. So you would prefer if that was the case, would you? No, I absolutely wouldn't, because obviously the person has to go through a certain amount of understanding and discussion for their own have, sake to understand who they are. Have you met any transitioners? I have not yet had the privilege. I have spoken I have. to a few, but I have. I have not yet had the privilege. I have, I have met many. If there's any detransitioners out there, I'd, I'd happily go and have a coffee with them. Well, we've we've do, we've done interviews with two of them actually um, on this particular show, um, and uh, Stephen, you know, and we, we established earlier on when we were talking to Adam the actual the, the facts are thirteen point six percent, I think it was earlier on we mentioned are a detransition, which is quite a high number according that's according to relevant statistics. Uh, in relation to where did it come from though? Well, I I I. I don't actually have it back on my screen again here. It's gone off my screen there. But as far as I know, it was the American uh, Scientific or something like that. As far as I know. Anyway, but there, it was... So a, we should be teaching. We should I, be I, I will get it back again. But, but, but hang on. But just getting back to the, sorry, the, the social contagion aspect. And that's the concern for parents is the social contagion. Now, you, I think, were on the show before I mentioned there is no such thing as social contagion. But I'm looking here, okay. In one study, almost 9 in 10 people or young people questioned their gender seemed uh, to be subject to social influence. In another study, two-thirds of uh, trans-identifying young people had one or more friends who were also trans-identifying. In another study, 36.8% of trans-identifying young people's friendship groups, the majority of members identified as trans. In another study, they found in almost two-thirds of cases, internet and social media usage seemed to go up just before a young person came out as trans. Now, 
That, and shockingly, people who feel a certain way or like a certain thing gravitate to other people that feel or like the same things. Shockingly. You, so you don't believe that proves there's a social yeah, contagion? You don't believe that so proves there's a social contagion? Everything is a social contagion. Okay, fair enough. You accept that anyway. So Sorry. Niall, I've spoken to parents of children who persisted after two or three years of thinking that they, you know, that there was something wrong with their body. Um, and, you know, they would say it's a cult, that the children went online during lockdown, got sucked into um, all of these websites, everything that the child um, would have read there would have kind of affirmed the idea that, you know, if you feel a certain way, it's your gender. You know, identifying out your, your sex body is going to help you. And I've spoken to many parents who you know, say it's like a cult. And that these children are then ostracized and alienated and vilified if they leave. And I think Stephen needs to talk about the fact that there are such a thing as, as detransitioners and desisters. And, you know, you don't see that um, being discussed in school. You don't see um, Stephen group supporting those people. You know, you know if anything, the, the trans community turn on these people the minute they realize that they've made a mistake and they vilify them. You can see them on Twitter. Absolutely. Um, attack uh, people like Chloe Cole, women like Chloe, Chloe Cole, who's bravely telling her story, gets nothing but abuse from the trans community. So, and, and that that is horrendous, by the way, if people, particularly if people are de- de- detransitioning. Um, the oh god, it's got to be how to get out. The national. National Library of Medicine, by the way, is where that study in relation to detransitioning Stephen came from. The National Library of Medicine. I, I, I need to get to two more callers very quickly before we finish up today. Um, and please take me, Stephen, if you can, because I do want to keep balance in relation to the topic. Uh, let me just go to uh, Saoirse Neglachlan, uh, also from the Countess. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing, Saoirse? Or Sorka, sorry. Grand, yeah, good effort. <laughs> I do, I do apologise. Irish was never my forte in school. Can I just mention? I mentioned disability yesterday. I got an F in Irish in my leaving cert. All right, for good uh, reason. Okay. I do apologise. Right. I do apologise, Sorka. Not so. Uh, I couldn't hear the last few bits there, so you'll have to remind me about um, what was you wanted to ask me. Okay, or I can go well, back I, to the original I, topic, whichever well, you want. Well, let's go back to the original topic, which and it's based on two things, which is, of course the story of the Irish. Remember about the, the, the teacher who wanted uh, parents, uh, of course, or wanted children to ad- uh, identify her as a they, them. And also that it kind of raises the question then when we talk about social contagion, what would you do if your 10-year-old daughter or son mm-hmm. came home and said they wanted to change their gender identity? How should you react as a parent? Yeah, well, to go to the second point, um, you know, I thought what the what some of the posters say were saying there about being very gentle with your children is very important. But one of the things I have learned in my personal capacity as a parent is that when your child has a mental health issue or a strong belief in something, that they cannot see the future. They cannot see the vision for themselves as adults. They are stuck with the distress that they hold right now and you as a parent have to overcome their distress and see how will they be in 5, 10, 15 years and what's best for them as they grow as an adult. Your job is not to immediately give in to everything your parent, your child wants when you're a parent. Your job is to see what's best for them now and what's best for them in the long term. And what's best for a child is that they become comfortable in the body that they have, that they grow up to be healthy adults whole and accepting of themselves in whatever form that takes. So I would go back to what Alicia uh, was saying, you know, around sort of uh, looking at other resources uh, that parents can use in order to 
help them do that. I, I really sincerely believe that affirming or uh, even exploring the fact that they might be transgender can be very harmful to children rather than holding the line and saying, I understand you're distressed. I understand that you're confused, but you can't change sex. And in order to change the way you look, you have to do permanent harm to your body, which we would not support as parents. Like it's okay to say no to your, to your child. If you have a reason for saying no, you're not you're not pushing them away, you're not saying you disagree with their lifestyle, you're explaining to them that you can see the future and that the future should be that they are whole and healthy and, and like themselves as they are as adults. That's where we're aiming to get to when we're, uh, when we're given this child um, mm-hmm. to raise. I, I, okay, well, sorry. I, I, and I gotta, where I, I, I think. I, I, and, you know, I, I, I personally believe that's the right attitude of any parent to be concerned, to listen, and to support their child. But obviously, you, know, as a parent, have to make a decision, and it's your decision because it's your job to look after your child and raise your child in whatever way you believe is best. So, Stephen, that's that's all I seem to hear from parents. And if I look into the texts and the calls and everything else, that's what I'm hearing, Stephen, from parents, that they have a right to make that decision, and they don't go along with a decision to change a child's gender at such a young age. And somebody's texting in, by the way, it says, Stephen referred to surgery on a baby who was interex- intersex as mutilation. So is trans surgery mutilation. So, oh, sorry, that was you, Stephen. Yeah, you referred to the surgery earlier on as mutilation. Yeah, because no child can consent at the age of zero. You know, and but then, you still refer to it as mutilation to remove genitalia from a child. Are, there are children that are still older that uh, that do have operations. Uh, because to correct their the operations that were done at birth, or because their their intersex condition is, is impinging it, is on it, their, their is life. it mutilation to remove a sixteen year old girl's breasts? If they didn't consent to it, yes. A sixteen year old. I'm asking a sixteen year old. No child. A child, a child in Ireland can can consent at sixteen. 17 is actually the age of consent for sex, by the way, but 18 is the age of consent for making decisions. The medical consent is 16, and in any case, for any child that is 16 or 17, they may be able to consent legally, but the, the health service still requires a parent to consent as well. In relation, okay, in relation to what Circa was saying, uh, Stephen, okay, in relation to what Circa was saying, just in, you know, as to how you talk to your children, we all have different views as parents as to how we should raise our children. Can we not just respect that parents don't accept that there are more than two genders and wish to raise their children in their, in their, with their views? That's fine. But at the same point, you can't attack a parent if they then decide that, you know, well, my 10-year-old came home, they want to uh, socially transition, so we'll socially transition them. That's fine. You know, you can't then attack a parent or the child or anyone else that affirms that child's identity. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair point, Circa? That what, why would we attack somebody else who makes a different decision? But refusing to go along with somebody else's decision is not attacking them. So, so us saying we don't agree that that child in my child's class, for example, has actually changed sex, we won't pretend. That's not the same as attacking a child. Uh, or attacking, attacking an identity, refusing to say I don't agree that a teacher can be male or female, can be between male or female, or that I will agree that they have changed sex, um, is not attacking that person. It is saying I disagree with this. It's the same as I would, re- like what you were saying with religion earlier. You know, 
I would go, I, I would have no problem with somebody else saying, I'm a Catholic, I believe that the bread changes into the body of Christ. Me saying that, I don't believe that, does not mean that I am now attacking a Christian. It's just a difference of a belief. And nobody has the right to force me or my children to go along with the belief that they don't hold. That's because we live in a pluralistic democratic society. And as to go back to Stephen's point around parents to pull their children out of school, when you, when you say things like that, what you're doing is saying, we wish to force this on your children. And that is absolutely wrong. Those parents... No, it's not what I said. To, yes, it is. Excuse me, you have plenty of time to talk. I am talking now. Go ahead. I am talking now. Okay, when, go you ahead. Say, when somebody says uh, you should just withdraw your child from that school, well, number one, you have no choice as to, as to where your child goes to school if you're a working parent. So it's, it's just a kind of a fudge. And number two, what, you, what, what is being said by that is if you don't agree with absolutely everything we do in this school, don't come here. We won't take your wishes into account, even if the majority of parents agree with this. And actually that goes against our constitutional rights as parents. So I would I would disagree with, with that too, you know. Uh, if you are sending your child to a Catholic school, you have a right to opt them out of religion. If you were sending your child to an educated together school, you should have the right to opt them out of gender ideology. The same goes for it. It's not a fact, it's a belief system. Um, so, no, I... I, okay. I um, okay, I'm finally... Look, I, I, unfortunately, I'm running really out of time. So, uh, thank you very much, Neil. Sorry for getting your name wrong. Um, and Malachi, just very quickly, Malachi Steenson. Oh, you know, a, a long programme today. Um, I mean, I think, again, the lunatics have escaped from the asylum and are trying to dictate the rest of us to the rest of us. We continually have in this country ruled by NGOs and ruled by a minority of different uh, classes. Nobody can tell me that a man is a woman or that a woman is a man. And these people can't even define what a woman is. Now, what they, what they're not, they, they say they want people to just accept them for what they are, but they don't. They want to indoctrinate and have people who fundamentally disagree with this whole woke liberal agenda to, to say that they are correct and that they are, are, are right. You know, in normal societies, this would be dealt with in a totally different way. But, to but, 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 yeah, but Maliki, sorry, and I'm very stuck for time, but can I ask you a question? Because based on my own analogy earlier on, you're a Christian, and you would not agree with removing religion from schools. Well, no, hold on. I, so I that, that's, a, that's another ideology, oh, isn't it? Okay, um, but hold on. I believe that if people want to send themselves to a faith-based school, their children to a faith-based school, they should have the right to do that, and that should be there for them. If somebody wants to send their children to a non-faith school, they should have that right to do it. Yeah, well, they don't have that right in this country because most of the schools, uh, something like 93% of schools are faith-based. So that, they don't have that no, right. That is, again, that is, again, a failing of the state, not of the various different uh, Christian or, or non-Christian religions. They have provided schools and educated their no, own no, well, people. You, you're, you're, missing, well, you're missing the point I'm trying to make. I'm not attacking by the way your view completely, but what I'm saying is you believe that you know faith or religion should be taught in schools. That's an ideology. It's not based on fact. It's based no, on a belief. I believe, no, I believe that faith should be taught in a school of that faith, right? Uh, educate together, claim not to believe in, in, in um, religious formation. Well, they, so know, they, don't they, have that yeah, they teach theology, yeah. Right? But we, what we have known about Educate Together is 
that it did have this other religion and this other ideology, which is woke liberalism. And that's what they're indoctrinating. Well, I, I, I think it's purely... Well, hang on. I don't believe it's because it was educated together. I think that's purely coincidental. I think this could have happened in a Catholic school tomorrow. It could have happened in a Protestant school tomorrow. It doesn't really matter what school it's in. It's irrelevant. Well, it that is happening that in a Protestant school if you look at what's happening with Enoch Bork. And I know he's not in jail for this specific thing, but he's a man who stood up Stood up and said, oh, well, I am not 10 out of 10 for determination, I'll give him that. But you're right, he's not, he's not in jail because he wouldn't refer to a child as their desired pronoun. He's in jail for disobeying the order of a court. But it appears that he does have support from a large section of the, the parents and of the children in that school. And remember, that is a school that has a religious ethos. It is a Protestant school. Actually, we, we did send a reporter to Mayo to talk to many of the locals uh, whose children are in the school, and they all actually said he was an excellent teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and by the way, I, I have no doubt he is an excellent teacher and teaches very well at what he teaches at. But I think for a lot of people, and it, it is unfortunate, and I've said this in the past in relation to Enoch Burke, I don't agree with everything their family has to say. Uh, I, you know, whether you do agree with his stance on this, that's a whole different issue. But, you know, I think the problem is, you know, unfortunately, they are a devout Christian family who do have rather extreme views on certain things. Uh, and I think that's what's lost him a lot of support. If this had been a regular, I suppose, teacher who wasn't religious, I think we would have had a very different view on it in society. Now, what, what Enoch Bork has allowed is even for this debate to take place. If we were talking about this issue prior to Enoch Bork taking a stand, it wouldn't have, people wouldn't have come out of the box as they are coming out of it. And people are entitled to decide what education their children get. And for your, your caller on there to say, oh, take your child out of the school. This is going to be right across the board because through the universities, a huge amount of the teachers have been indoctrinated into this ideology. And, you know, it's coming down the tracks very quickly. Okay, well, just, just, just finally, because I have to wrap it up. So, Stephen, if, for example, a trans teacher or a man who identifies as a woman in class says to the students, I want you to call me Miss, should the, teacher, should the students have to call him Miss? suppose if they want to be respectful to their to their teacher, then yes. Well, what they do outside of the classroom, what they do outside of the classroom is a different matter altogether. We send children to school to be educated, not to be indoctrinated yes, into nonsense. To be telling, for instance, a man standing there with a beard and a dress on him, for to, to demand that children in this day and age defy and deny what they see with their eyes that this is a man, and that they should call him a woman. You know, that is nonsense. And people who advocate that type of position need to go and see, get themselves seen to, because there's something clearly not right. Stephen, I'll, I'll let you respond finally, because I have to wrap it up. Well, because you're wrapping it up, I'm going to apologise for raising my voice and for swearing, because it's not usually in my character to do something like that. I do represent, I do speak about detransition transi when I speak to school kids about uh, what transition means. Uh, at the end of the day, if a, if a child comes to you and talks to you about anything, your first role as a parent is to listen to them and to try and understand them and ask them questions that help you and them understand it. What happens after that is a further conversation. That's the okay. way it should be. 
I couldn't agree with you more on that point. I'll agree with everything you said at the very end there. Listen, Maliki, thank you very much indeed. Stephen, thank you very much indeed. And everybody got involved in today's show, which went on a lot longer than I had originally planned. Uh, but so many people wanted to get involved in that conversation. It is a conversation and a debate that's going to continue because it is one of those hot topics, I suppose. And uh, there are many people who don't agree with children being forced to use pronouns. And somebody raised an interesting point. I think it was Lisa or it could have been Circa earlier on that she said, for example, if a child in the class you know, um, identifies as the opposite gender? Should all the other students be forced uh, to recognise that? I personally believe they shouldn't be. It's entirely up to if that person's a friend of yours, you can do what you want. I don't think it should be classed as an insult because that immediately bullies people into doing it. Uh, no more than I should have to believe there's a God just because another kid in a class believes there's a God. I shouldn't have to believe in a God because I respect a God. I respect gods. I respect people's belief in a God. I don't believe there's any gods. The same way as I don't believe a man can become a woman. But if somebody becomes a woman and they're an adult, I respect their decision to do that. If they want to do that, that's fine. It doesn't mean I have to believe it. We should all have respect for each other's point of view. But the problem with this particular debate is we don't have respect for other people's point of view. And generally speaking, that goes one way. In other words, if you disagree or you don't agree with gender pronouns, or you don't agree with transitioning, or you don't agree with any of that kind of stuff, you're immediately referred to as the right, as if that's some sort of insult to silence or censor you. Now, unfortunately, that comes back to our freedom of speech and new hate speech laws, which will be very interesting indeed, and the minister has said they will be in before the end of the year. I'm looking forward to the first person who will be arrested for misgendering somebody, or the first person who will be arrested for saying that they don't believe a man can become a woman because they would be pouring hate on a community, according to the legislation, maybe. It'll be interesting to see, because the minister said that's not the purpose of the legislation. But I will wait in anticipation to find out if that is the purpose of the legislation. Anyway, listen, thank you for staying with us as long as you did today. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate everybody staying with us on Twitter and Facebook for what was a little bit of a longer show today, which I don't mind, by the way. That's the good thing about a podcast. We can do it for an hour. We can do it for 40 minutes. We can do it for two hours. We can do it for four hours, if needs be. There's no time restraints. So please support us to continue doing this by going to our website and also share it with your friends, www.nileboylan.com. We ask you for the price of a pint of beer. Thank you, by the way. I asked on Friday and a lot of you did. Thank you very much indeed. If you did, thank you. To those who didn't, please consider it again. I know it's a tough time at the moment when it comes to money. Very few people have it. We're very conscious of what we subscribe to and what we pay out for. We're not asking for much. We're asking for the price of a pint once a month. If you can do it, you can do it. You can cancel it whenever you want. All you got to do is go to our website, nileboylan.com. What do you get for that, you're saying to me? Well, firstly, we will never, and I've said it before, and I keep saying it, you will never be charged to watch our show live every day because that's how we get you to interact. You will never be charged to listen to our show every single day or to download it later on in the day from Spotify or any of the usual platforms. What we are charging you for, if you want to watch any of the previous interviews, and we do have some exclusive interviews that we've never put out live and that we won't be putting out live, and you can watch those as well. And we will have some really interesting exclusive interviews, one in particular which is coming very soon, which will blow your mind, and that will be for subscribers only. So for that, it's only a fiver a month. Please go to the website, nileboylan.com. Thank you very much indeed for supporting us. It's really important. We rely on it. All three of us who look after the show rely on your support. Thank you very much. We'll join you again tomorrow at 12. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. 
Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Nile Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.